All right. So have you ever gone to a restaurant where they didn't take your currency? Maybe you had uh, some pesos in your pocket and they wouldn't accept that or an American Express card and not everywhere takes American Express. We want to talk to you today about a currency that's really important. So Trent, tell us what that currency is today. Well, Alan, I'm glad you said that. And the currency that we want to visit about today is trust. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, it's always a big deal. It's always been a big deal, but it seems like in our day and time, Alan, it's just, it's more relevant than ever to have, to talk about the need for the ability to trust people. Yeah, trust is the foundation of all that we do. And you're listening to the Enduring Churches podcast with Alan and Trent. And we want to talk to you today about this important currency, the currency of trust. We want to see you and your ministry endure. And so we've got some just a conversation today to help you help you do that a little bit better. So Trent, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the information that you found that you thought was worth um, bringing to everyone's attention today? Well, Alan, uh, I'm really you know excited about this because um, in our state in Missouri, we're working to um, help and equip new pastors specifically, and so we're taking a lot of our new pastors through. Uh, what's called a pastor readiness assessment. And in a lot of that, they talk about the need for trust and how important trust is. And so we have the new pastor go through an assessment. We also have other people take the assessment based on their view of their pastor. And so I wanted, I thought it was really important for us to discuss some of these thoughts, some of these questions even, um, to see how important trust is in your church setting. Um, can you continue to minister without a level of trust? Can you ask your church to change, to go on, uh, to move things, to change things without a considerable level of trust? So uh, that's kind of where we're at, Alan. That's what we're going to talk through. Yeah, there's a crisis of trust. People do not trust the leaders today. They do not trust pastors today. It's just a time where we really have to earn the trust that we we want to have, and we we earn it through some very important things. And so, you guys have a list of questions um, that you kind of work through that provide the foundation um, to determine kind of what's the trust level and where where does the work need to take place to build that kind of trust. So, why don't you? There's there's ten questions. Why don't you give us the first five, Trent, and let's just kind of talk about those a little bit. Okay. Yeah. And I want to say thank you to Corpus and to Missouri Baptist Convention for um, these questions. Uh, but here, here are the first five. The pastor is viewed as a person others can trust. That's a statement. Okay. But these are more statements than questions. The second one is the pastor has a confident certainty in words that they speak. The third one is the pastor can own up to personal struggles and failure and quickly ask for forgiveness from others. So can you, can you say, hey, the buck stops here, it's my fault, instead of blaming other people. The pastor reflects Christ's likeness in the words and deeds, and the pastor demonstrates the character traits they expect in others. Um, and so these are some, some of the questions that are statements that people would be reading and, and then evaluating their pastor based on those statements. Are they really true or really not true? Um, so this kind of boils down to the who is the pastor. I mean, this mm -hmm. is this is the who, the who behind him. 
you know, mm-hmm. what is, what is he, what is he really like and how do others see that? You know, I can tell you, you know, from my experience in, in, in pastoring over 25 years that not everyone ever trusted me, <laughs> you know, I mean, there were some people who it didn't matter what I did. They just weren't going to trust me. And I don't know why, but there was, there was kind of a problem in their mind and they just didn't view me as some, someone they could trust. And then other people seemed to trust me from the get go. And mm-hmm. I, I never completely understood um, how that works, but what happens Trent, if, if, um, if by and large the people, on a large scale don't trust you what what what's what's the possibility for that pastor well i'm not sure that you can really lead anywhere if that's the case you know i you can preach but i don't think you can lead the church to do anything dramatic or anything of any substance if you're not able to gain some trust and gather well the old statement is if nobody's behind you you're not a leader um, and I think that's really true. And it used to be, Alan, that that pastors and, and ministry leaders, they did have a level of respect and trust right off the bat of the get-go, you know. And but I, I don't think that that's the case anymore um, because of the the examples that we've seen where people have embezzled money, had affairs, you name it. There's all kinds of things. And and people love those juicy morsels of gossip about ministry people that, that fail. And we're all just human. We're all sinners. That's what the Bible says. But now um, we, we have that same level of trust as a used car salesman, uh, you know? And so you really have to work at that. And yeah, I think that ties talk. into that, that idea of Trent of what others, um, do you have confidence when you speak? I mm-hmm. think there was a great idea years ago to say, when you speak, speak as someone who has authority. You know, the idea of how Christ spoke as someone who had authority. But the problem I think it was became is that we became experts in the field and not sincerely appreciated. And I think that one who has authority is someone who sincerely believes in what they're speaking and has a level of honesty and sincerity with it. And it's not so much about coming across as authoritative, but coming across as being sincere. And I think that that's maybe something that that this whole idea is trying to maybe pull out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the authenticity um, is, is a big part of that. And I, I feel like people won't trust you and, and give you that sense of authenticity if you don't have a relationship with them. Uh, we had a we had a lady in our church, the last church that I pastored. Um, when we first started at that church, she said, I, "I'm never going to love a pastor and their family again because she would she was one of those people that was all in, you know." And but then the pastor and his family would move and and go someplace else, and that just breaks her heart, you know. So she was being very guarded, and I feel like a lot of people, especially when we've gone through this time frame of of pastors being in churches just short times they're they're very guarded about their relationships and then the, which in turn leads to being guarded about their level of trust and so uh i think people are you know hesitant to say i'm i'm all in they're they're gonna wait and see they want to see if they can trust you yeah because again and i think the vulnerability you know and it's one of the quite that yeah, one of the traits there is is being vulnerable and being willing to kind of 
say, hey, I'm struggling with that too. You know, to to recognize that it takes you some time to learn to trust your people too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a the trust is a two way street. You know, most of us don't go in thinking, oh, everyone's gonna gonna trust me. We may act like it, but I don't think we really deep down believe it. We we almost go in thinking we're we're looking for the next fight. Okay, who's going to be the one who's going to fight me? And instead of thinking about how we can get people on the on the same page together, and I think that that's something that's uh, very very important for us. So, Trent, what are the next uh, five assessment things that we we can look at here and maybe talk about briefly? Yeah, I want to, I want to kind of pick out some things in those. Um, One of the, one that really stands out to me is does the pastor, is he able to keep confidences? This is a really important thing. And so as a, especially if you're a new pastor uh, going into a church are you able to, if somebody comes to you in a counseling situation or just even a discussion before or after church or whatever, are you able to keep that in confidence? And you, you know, if, the, if that's not, um, that's not happening, people won't give you that trust that you desire. Yeah. Confidence and counseling kind of go hand in hand. Those are two of the traits that we two of the responsibilities we have, you know, you and I both shared that neither of us probably enjoy the counseling side as much, much as, uh, um, as we do other parts. Uh, I think probably me more so than you, because you and Dana love to do like marriage counseling things and, and that mm-hmm. me, I'll talk to you about what God's doing in your life and how to counsel you in ministry and, and send you down the road to someone who who's better at it than me. But, mm-hmm. but, um, those are very important ministries, you know, our competency um, mm-hmm. in, in what we do to have the skills to be a pastor. I saw a tweet yesterday. Someone said, you know, I often hear people say they're called to preach, but I don't hear people say they're called to pastor. That's an interesting, interesting thought. Yeah. Well, and they're not the same thing, are they? Um, you know, a pastor will usually preach, but a preacher doesn't always pastor. Um and it's hard to find the skills to do both of those in, in the same person sometimes. Um, I've known some people that were amazing pastors that with, their, with their families of their church, and they just loved on their people well, but they couldn't preach themselves out of a wet paper bag. And so it's, you know, but the people loved them because they had that relationship and they trusted them. And so that was the, their company competency in that. Um, but I've also known some gentlemen who could preach the lights out, just amazing speakers, but they didn't have the relationship part. And so they, they could never move very far forward. Yeah. So some of those things you, you mentioned, you know, able to keep confidences, a trusted counselor, are they competent with the skills? Um, another one that it was uh, a pastor knows how to build consensus and does that regularly. You know, that, I think that's the test of when people trust you is that they follow you, that you're able to kind of build that camaraderie up with them. Oh, there's another C word. We just added a C um, in there, Trent. But, um, you know, the, one of those that we didn't necessarily um, identify was the pastors looked as a model of good attitude and right behavior. And I think that kind of jumps into to one of the two two traits that are really important, and that's the character that you have to have to be to be trusted. How important Trent is character and trust? Well, 
let's, I guess, let's look at it from the standpoint of a young person feeling called to go and do and to do ministry in a local church. Is their character important as they consider being a minister for for God? I would say absolutely. Um, can God trust you with, with the calling that he's placed in your life? You better be able to. Now, does that, <laughs> I've, I've known some guys that, that were called into ministry in prison, right? And they had been examples of, of bad character, but God worked in their lives and he changed them. And so, you know, it, they weren't always a good example of character, but character is still important. And so God created good character in their lives. So as you're, if you're considering call, a calling in ministry, yes, character is absolutely important. Um, and that all that able, people can trust you, that's huge. Yeah, I think of it even on a, on a global scale. You know, trust, trust in the, the, the role we have as pastors isn't limited to just the field of, of pastoral ministry. I think it flows into to everything, you know, even the, the boss at your job, politics, you know, you name it. If you don't, if you if you don't trust the person, that's usually because you've identified a flaw that you find critical um, to trust. And you know, sadly, it seems that people will people have kind of picked and choose that I can trust someone with these character flaws, um, and I will trust them as long as they don't have this character flaw. <laughs> but boy, when we flaunt our flaws. Um, there's, there's probably usually more character issues going on behind the scenes than, than we, we really want to identify. I think pastors don't, don't, don't give your character flaws a, a kind of a, oh, well, that's just who I am. Don't, don't, don't do that. Build your character. The Bible talks about building our character. And I think that this is an, something that's really important for us is to recognize is, is that we still struggle sometimes in our character. But it should be a growing character. We should be building a bigger and better character all the time. Yeah. If you're the same, say, well, Alan and I, we've been believers in Jesus for, I don't know, I, I was, when I was about nine years old is when I began that journey. And now I'm 56. So uh, you do the math. I'm not good at math. Uh, so a long time, right? And if I'm still the same person that I was when I was nine years old, I still had the same character qualities um, and I had not grown in my convictions and my um, character and, you know, my integrity, level of integrity, then there's something definitely wrong um, because God's going to change things. Jesus always changes things. I'm grateful that God's been working with me a little bit on the, on the Peter, Peter idea with that. You know, Peter was a hothead. I mean, we get that. We get that, that he was a hothead. But there, when he writes First Peter, you know, you don't see that hothead. I mean, you see someone who has really tackled that issue in his character, and I think that's something that God has had to work with me on a lot in my life is is building that and helping me understand what triggers me and and what can cause me to do that. But that's God's character at work in my life, and I'm grateful for that. I still mess up, but not nearly as much as I used to. And and I'm I, I love that God is still working on me and that's something he's building in me not only does he build character Trent, he builds com competence and we need we need some competencies 
um, in this role. Not it, not everyone is suited to be a pastor or minister. True. Yeah, there are some competencies that I think God creates in us in our when He knits us together in our mother's wombs. He gives us some some abilities, but there are others that we grow in, others that we learn. In. And so I want to tell you, it, you know, we were mentioning young pastors, but what about our older pastors? Are you continuing to be a lifelong learner? Are you growing in those skills, growing in those competencies to lead your church better? Um, and so I think we can be lazy on either side of that. You know, as young people, we don't develop that growth. And as old people, we're like, well, I, I do the things that I do. You know, you can't do that. Yeah, you know, we, we can coast. We can coast on the on either side of, of it. And we don't want to be coasters um, in ministry. We really need to work hard to develop ourselves. That's why it's important whether you choose to do seminary or not. I'm, I'm not here to tell you that every every minister needs to go to seminary and get a degree, but you need to learn. You need to um, at least get some mentoring and some training and some equipping. You need to go to conferences. You need to sharpen the tools. Um, you know, in your toolbox, you need to have conversations with other people who have been through um, ministry and understand some of the challenges that you face in ministry. You don't need to do this alone. You've got to build those core competencies, um, you know, and it is a unique role. There's a lot of administrative things. That's not my strong suit. I've always had to get help with that. Um, you've got to develop your speaking skills, your your counseling skills, your communication skills, your your leadership skills, there's a lot that goes into it. So develop all, all of your toolbox. Right. And, and so when you think about those competencies, uh, capabilities, another word maybe that goes with that, there you've got to have some skills, as Alan was just mentioning. You also have to have a, a pool of knowledge that you can draw from. Um, there's amazing resources that uh, ministry people can have access to that are you know, it used to be you had to have a huge library, but now there's so much available online. I would encourage you and warn you at the same time to check the where you get your information from, because online there are people who claim to have authority that have that have stolen from other people their information and even twisted it. So be very careful. You might even find it from a non-biblical resource that makes it look biblical. So be careful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do be careful when you're when you're out there on the web. Just because it's on the web doesn't mean it's right. So right, and everything that's on Facebook is not always true. Right? <laughs> yeah, it has to be on Twitter to be true. Okay, right? then it's yeah. okay. <laughs> no, so, no, but there's there's skills and there's knowledge. You have that pool yeah. of knowledge, and you know where to find things. But then there's also the other side is experience. And experience can can shape us and form us, teach us and grow us. And, and so I think experience, godly experience, is good. Yeah, you know, I remember John Maxwell once saying something about experience, Trent. It went like this. Um, experience is not the best teacher. It's evaluated experience is the best teacher. And I've always I've always reflected on that that little statement and thought how good that is to know that yeah you can experience a lot of things and not grow from it but when you sit down and evaluate what happened and and what went wrong or this or that you you actually can really grow from that and I've I've always appreciated um, that that line because we do need to do more evaluation uh, because sometimes Trent we're going to talk about two two I words here. 
because sometimes what you intend isn't what happens. So right. let's let's talk about intent and integrity. Yeah, you know, we we want we judge ourselves based on our intent. Uh, we base we judge others based on their actions and their integrity it always leads to actions. And so um, intent is, is comes from that character that we were talking about. Um, what is our, what is your intent? Where what are you aiming at? What's the purpose? What's the plan? Um, your integrity is those things that as people watch you over the years and they see what you do in, in private, uh, is that is that the same person that is seen in the pulpit? Is that the same person that I you know have gotten to know? So um, you know it, that humility and and being that same person in all situations. Your kids, they your kids know that better than anyone. Your family knows that. Are you the same person with them that you are in the church? Uh, your, your intent, well, that will come out in words. Your integrity will be shown in your actions. Yeah, I love uh, intent, that idea of intent. You know, I ran into that last night, Trent. Um, we had a, a we had a water main break in our community and Rochelle was coming home a little bit later. And I said, uh, I called her and I said, hey, we may not want to cook at home tonight. We may want to grab something so we don't have to do dishes if the water doesn't get turned back on. And so she calls me when she gets off. And she says, hey, is it still off? And, and she says, well, what do you want to eat? And my intent was that we had some things in the refrigerator that we could eat as leftovers, but they needed to be supplemented by something. And we could just do that. If that wasn't okay with her, that we could just get whatever. And anyhow, somehow my intent to be nice became something that she did not hear right. <laughs> and it got, you know how those things go in marriage. It yeah. got complicated. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. so by the point later, we're going, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding. I'm sorry. I didn't communicate clearly. I'm sorry. I didn't listen correctly and all those kinds of things. And that's what happens. Now, when you have trust and you trust each other, you're going to work through that, right? That's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we do. You know, when we both were able to reflect on that, we know that I had no ill intent. She had no ill intent. We trust that about each other. And so we were able to work through that quite quickly. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. It was just a, a blip on the screen. However, if we didn't trust each other, that little thing could become a great big thing. And that's mm -hmm. what happens in many churches sometimes. A small little intention, something that you meant to be a little deal, becomes a big deal. And the reason it becomes a big deal is because trust has not been established between you and, and the people or, or the people and the pastor. Right. And the relationship is not there to be able to work on those things. I'm glad you brought that up. It is, uh, you know, we, if we don't have that relationship, we don't have that trust, that level of trust. People in first Corinthians 13, right. And it's talking about the love chapter and, and love always hopes the best, expects the best, you know? And so when in a relationship with our marriage partner, we, we should be expecting the best. Well, unfortunately, we don't always do that at church, do we? We don't, you know, well, they're out to hurt me. No, they probably weren't, you know. Um, and so we don't expect the best when, when we should. 
Yeah, and it, and it could be something like this. I'm just I'm kind of making this up on the fly here, Trent. But it could be, you know, you could be pastoring your church a couple of years. You look at it, you know, VBS just isn't effective anymore. So we're 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 not going to do VBS. We're going to do something else. And you know, your people come to you and say, "We love doing VBS. We've always done VBS. Why are you getting rid of our VBS? You don't love you don't you don't love us, and we don't trust you anymore." And, and you can either have the response of, well, here's what I was thinking. This is what I was doing. Um, is this not the right time? Is this not the right idea? You can have a, a little bit of humility in that. Or you can bow up and say, well, because I know best and I know what we're doing and I know what we need to do. And all of a sudden, your intent to say there's something not in, there was something ineffective. We want to do something more effective. All of a sudden, the intention doesn't matter anymore. And it's become a fight between two wills. And that's just one example of how those things can unravel in a church. And they unravel really quickly. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, i got to get my resume out. You know, they're thinking, well, I'm not coming this Sunday. <laughs> you know, you've got all these <laughs> dynamics that have begun to play out. And a lot of that could have been handled by be wanting better communication, right. uh, by getting some key leaders to buy in and to, to share your heart more clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, and doing everything you can do to build trust in the in the process. Now, again, you know, you could come in at, in a different situation if your people trust you and you guys sit, sit down together and say, you know, over the last 10 years, we've not had outside guests come to our vacation Bible school. We've not seen any decisions through our vacation Bible school. We need to do something different this year. And I've run across a proposal. This is what I'd like to propose to you. And if your people trust you, they're probably going to say, hey, Man, we're all on board. Let's try that, you know. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, we can always go back. But let's try it because we trust you, and you built that trust with us. Totally different conversation, but you have to earn it. Right. Well, and the humility. Well, I I love that you mentioned the word humility. That's a big part of that. Pastors sometimes we struggle with that humbling ourselves before our people. We're oh, we're supposed to be the leader. Well, sometimes you lead by being humble and, and and saying, hey, I messed up. You know, we teach them character qualities that way. Yeah, I think sometimes we get that idea that that um, we are we, we have to uh, defend God's plans for the church that we think are God's plans for the church. And, you know, we really don't need to pull out Moses stick on this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Moses got in trouble. You're going to get in trouble, too. Just, just right. God doesn't tell you to use a stick. Don't use a stick. And and I think we sometimes want to use the stick on our own when that wasn't really God God's intent. In other words, don't be an angry pastor. <laughs> Leading from that position of you should follow me because I'm the pastor is a terrible plan. That's like, you yes. know, going to your principal and say, I should be good because my principal's the high school. You know, I know my principal. You were mm -hmm. never good in high school because you knew the principal, you were good in high school because you were scared of the consequences, right? And you already knew that innately on your own. And that's that's what people, you, you're really wanting people to be close enough to God with their concern with what God thinks about their character, not so much what they think about you directly. And that, that's that's just essential um, in, build, in building trust. It's to, you really, the, to build trust as a pastor, the more invisible you become and the more visible God becomes, the more your people are going to trust you. Yeah, that's so true. I want to I want to move it outside the church setting for just a second for this last little bit, because I think the reputation is a word that is, is kind of goes along with this word trust. And 
And so, you know, thinking about not only how you deal with your church family, your church people, but also what's your reputation in the community? And so I, I want to say to you, if you're looking for a pastor, um, you should be asking people outside the church where he's for, serving, you know, what is his reputation? And, you know, I, I allowed for people to do a, a, not only a background check, but a financial check on me because I wanted them to see that, hey, I'm trustworthy in the way that I deal with these things, both these things in, in the community. And I don't, didn't leave any outstanding debts in the community. And so uh, that your reputation in the community is a very important. And that's a great word. We do, what we do follows us and, and people observe that. I knew a pastor one time who um, the church loved, loved the pastor, but if you went down to the bank and asked about him, or you went down to the chamber of commerce and asked about him, or you asked anywhere outside the church, they, they would they would not have kind words to say, and really things that you can't repeat on a on an enduring church's podcast. That is a problem. That that yeah. that speaks to something. It doesn't matter how big you can get within your own ranks. If if the lost people look at you and and say, "Man, I wouldn't want to be around someone with that character," there's a problem. There is mm -hmm. a problem. Yeah, and if, if you have that reputation, it, you lose all credibility, right? Uh, eventually, it's going to get back into your church, that lack of credibility, but it you'll certainly struggle to bring in people from the community, which your church was planted in to reach that community. Yeah. And so if you don't have that reputation that's able to draw those people in, you're not doing what God's called you to do. And it's certainly sad. We've seen a lot of guys maybe snowball, snowball people with their with their trust and manipulate their trust and their reputation mm -hmm. um, to their advantage and and do all kinds of stuff. Just remember, God in the end, God knows it all anyway. And it's all going to get exposed anyway. So make a decision now to have a character that is trustworthy and that is that is a, a good name, which is to be cherished more than gold. So keep your name. <laughs> Keep your name spotless in there. Trent, you have anything else you'd like to say about trust before we wrap up today? Well, I I appreciate, Alan, you allowing me to talk through this. I, I just believe that trust is an important part of ministry. And we want to encourage you, um, if you're in ministry, do everything you can to grow in trust and to keep your credibility and your character grow in that. Uh, if you're searching for a pastor, make that a big part of the questions that you ask. Um, uh, that You don't want to find out about character flaws later on after you have called a pastor. You want to find out about those before you do that. And so this is, this is an important area that can make or break your church. And we want to encourage you to think through this. And, and we just want to say thank you for taking time today to listen to us. Like Alan said uh, last time, it was two old guys sharing about our experiences and our, sometimes our worries and fears and, and struggles that we've gone through. Um, and I just appreciate you taking time to hear us out today. So um, we'll have some good information on our show notes about how to connect with us. Please um, check that out. If you have things that you would like for us to speak about, please connect with us, let us know that. And we want to serve you and help you endure.